a song is an asset. Yes, you're going to put a little bit of money into it up front, but that song, even if it doesn't break immediately, it may break in a couple years. That is an asset. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, I'm super excited to be here today with my buddy, Daniel Grimmett. He launched his career with a production company called The Songwriting Team that worked on over 800 projects, 25 countries around the world, produced a billboard charting record, got songs placed on TV, and works with everyone from YouTubers, Fortune 500 brands. Now he runs a business consultancy called Dark Label that serves both indie and major record label producers. And today, you know, we've had a, a couple of really good conversations around production and mindset. And as an indie musician, you know, there's a lot of amazing tools that are at our disposal, like home studios and whatnot. But there's also sometimes a challenge in terms of time I mean, knowing like when, how much are we doing ourselves or building a team? So I think that today we're, we're really going to focus on that conversation and figuring out, you know, as a, as an indie musician, how do you record the highest quality music and what's, what are the best things for you to focus on? So Daniel, thanks so much for taking the time to talk today. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me. I'm looking forward to it. Heck Yeah. So I'd love to start off by just hearing a little bit about, about your backstory. You know, we've already connected, but for anyone listening to this right now, could you just introduce yourself and share a little bit about how you got started with Dark yeah, Label? I got started, you know, playing music when I was a kid. My, my parents always had instruments around the house and they played a little bit. My dad was a band instructor, instructor when I was a little kid and yeah, started playing instruments, playing in bands and got into the recording side of things ultimately. And yeah, when I was 24, moved to Los Angeles to start a production company. It was about, a, that was about a decade ago. And we were one of the first kind of fully remote production agencies. So, you know, it's very popular now, obviously with the pandemic and uh, which I think is awesome because something we've been doing for a long time. And I'm a big believer in, in the model and being able to connect with artists all over the world. So like you mentioned, yeah, I got to work on a ton of cool projects. My primary role was you know, hiring the talent, the producers, the writers, the mixers, as well as getting the work, whether that be artists, you know, companies, brands, things like that. We did all sorts of stuff. We relocated the, the company to Nashville in 2014, stayed there for the, the bulk of the time that we were a business. And what I realized was that, hey, all the people that worked for us ended up going on to do, you know, big things and cool things. So that kind of inspired me to get into the consulting side and help producers grow their business. So I have a partner, Mike Monty, who's an industry vet that helps me out. And he um, does a lot of different stuff, but I guess his biggest claim to fame is discovering and, and developing pop acts, you know, Tori Kelly, Becky G, people like that. So I have an interesting you know, perspective on both sides, right? Like, even though I work directly with producers, those are my clientele, at the end of the day, I'm in this so that the artists, you know, their clients have a great experience and get something out of it. Because if the artist isn't getting anything out of it from the producer, then what's the point of, of the producer, right? So focusing on a great experience for the, what I call the end user, which is the artist, I kind of help artists in a weird way, you know, through producers, basically making sure producers are showing up and doing their job and providing value to the artist. So I've kind of this weird uh, middle ground, I guess, where I understand both sides. And hopefully we can talk a bit about that today. So 
Cool. That's awesome, man. It's super interesting too. how I love the way that you put it in terms of like you're serving artists through the producers. And what it reminds me of is it reminds me of like my mentor, a few of my like business mentors and some of like the impact that they've made on me and with Modern Musician and how ultimately like they've made a huge ripple effect on all the artists that, that we're working with as well. And a lot of like what the, like what I'm sharing and what the lessons that I've learned, a lot of the insights have come from my mentorship. And so I think that, yeah, you can, you can make a huge impact on, even if, you know, if you're focusing on producers that does like really ripple out and, and helps artists. From your perspective, what do you, what do you say, like in terms of look, kind of zooming out and looking at the landscape, the music industry right now, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that uh, music artists are struggling with right now? Yeah, well, listen, like, obviously the thing that, that comes to mind, right? I, I look at the objections that my producers get, right? That's how I can get kind of an idea of what's going on out there from the artist perspective. You know, the tough thing is, right, how do I come up with the money to invest in a good product when, you know, it's difficult to make money back on it, make a return on investment. And the truth is that it's kind of always been that way. Sure, there was people that made a lot of money off records before streaming, but that was a select few. You know, that was the ones that got through the gatekeepers and, and even most of them didn't get like the best deals in the world, but that has not changed. So yeah, the biggest issue is like, okay, the music is the product, right? And, or the music is now the marketing, I'm sorry, for the artist, which is the product. And it has to be good. I mean, I still think the music's first, you know? So how do we create great music when we have a budget and may not be able to afford producers? I'll just throw this out there first. The music is just not where I'd be skimping. If you want to develop skills to try to do as much as you can, really put uh, do it on the content side. Do it on the stuff that like, you know, I think you have a better chance of really getting good at, you know, but the music side, and I just want to preface this, but like, I don't, you know, I don't want to demotivate people or anything, but maybe it's just a different perspective. You know, you've put in a lot of the real artists have put in thousands and thousands of hours to become great artists and producers have done the same thing. And there's just so much time, right? So the chances that an artist is going to be a really incredible artist and a really incredible producer, like, honestly, you'd probably already know by now if that were, you know what I mean? And, and there's, yeah, there, there are a couple examples of that, of course, you know, I think Kanye is a great producer and a great artist, you know, like Pharrell, like J. Cole, there's a ton of examples, but like, it still is a small subset compared to artists in general, right? And it gets really dangerous when people kind of try to model themselves after the anomalies. Like to put it in the business world, I think like Alex Becker, one of the business guys said this, like people will come and say, oh, I, I want to run a bunch of different businesses because Elon Musk does it. And it's like, well, you're picking the one guy who's like an anomaly to try to model yourself after where 99% of the business people that are successful really focused on one thing and made it great, you know? So I, I get why we want to kind of do that and produce your own stuff. But listen, like, don't let that get in the way of you actually having a shot as an artist. You can get with a producer that can, you know, maybe do stuff on, on spec in the beginning or figure out a way to pay them or, you know, do what you have to do to make sure the music's good. And then if you want to put in, you know, some time to build up some other skills, like I would do it on content side and other things like that. So that's just my, we could break that down, but that's just what I'll throw up. No, I think that's a really good insight because I mean, it's no secret that like 
we all have an amazing opportunity in terms of like the tools that used to cost tens of thousands of dollars. Like, like, yeah, like we can have similar tools now in a home studio. And so like, so those tools are really incredible, but the time investment, like the time is like the biggest thing I, I think, you know, and that still requires like a lot of time investment in order to really figure out how to use those tools. And if you're just trying to kind of figure them out on, on your own too, you're probably going to be spending a ton of extra time as opposed to like finding a mentor who can kind of, who you can, you know, literally like work with day and night to like see how with their tens of thousands of hours of work, like how they operate. You know, if you can actually like be in a studio where you're interning with like a producer, that's one thing. That's a great way to learn how to become good yourself. But a lot of times it seems like people are trying to kind of do this themselves and spending a ton of time and energy and, and time is super valuable, right? Like it's way more valuable than money in the long term. And I, and I really like the point that you made in terms of like, in terms of the things that you can invest in, in your music career, like the music, it's called your music career. So like the music is one of those things where it's gotta be, it's gotta be really good, right? Like it's, it's gotta be something, it's gotta be something competitive and something that's, that the quality is really good along with like just the songs themselves need to be really good. And I mean, it's not everything, right? Like there's plenty of super talented songwriters and super talented, you know, producers that have a great product, but if they don't know how to promote themselves or market it, then it's like having a shiny car that has no engine and like can't like go anywhere. But also if you try to just like polish a turd, it's still going to be a turd. <laughs> it's in like, you know, and if you're trying to like, if you're trying to gain traction with a subpar product, then it's, you're going to be going an uphill, an uphill battle. So I, I agree 100%. I think like the product, honing in the product, and then honing in the marketing are probably like the two best investments that you can make. Yeah. And, and I also want to just like add that just because I said that doesn't mean that I don't think artists should learn production. I absolutely think they should. It's, it's part of the writing process nowadays yeah. on a lot of things. Yeah. But unless you're like a producer and really good, where, where it's getting kind of muddy is that artists are thinking because they can produce a demo that now it's like a co-production. It's like, well, no, you're just producing your demo. So that's how it used to work, right? So like you would go with a smaller producer, like studio in town, and you would cut your demos, okay? Like, you know, they used to do it in Nashville, right? They'd have like the demo factories. You'd go in, they'd crank it out in an hour. You know, various genres. Like I'm not talking just country, but like that's how it worked. You made a demo and then you would take it to the main producer. They would do the master, right? They would do the master production, the master recording. And basically where we're at now is just that artists are doing their own demos. But in most cases, that's what it is. You've made a demo, which is great. That helps the producer. You know, that's a starting point for the producer, but it's not a co-production in most cases, unless you're a good producer. So that's where it gets a little blurry. But I, I do think learning basic production and being able to like lay something out for yourself, pro, you know, program some drums and you know, make an arrangement is important, but you didn't just don't want to trick yourself into like, I don't know. It's just one of those things where like, it's kind of got to be like a hundred percent or more, you know? And it's like, sure. I'll save, you know, 500 bucks, not hiring that guy to make a track or a thousand bucks, but then all my music's 80%. And it's like, well then what's the point? I guess if you're doing it for fun, fine. But like, just to put in, I'm not talking about people just doing it for fun here. I'm talking about people that are trying to make this a career, which I assume this is what this podcast is for. 80% is just not going to cut it. 99% is not going to cut it. 100%, you know, is what's necessary. So like, you have to figure out kind of where do I have the high, maybe you have a high, a higher chance of like 
getting really good at the content side. It's like, okay, well, we'll save money on the content side. I don't need to hire a video guy outside of maybe, you know, music videos or something, but all the other stuff, maybe I can do on, on my own or whatever, you know, maybe that's where you kind of say, but like, yeah, it's like, you're just not even going to have the opportunity to like get in the rooms with people with the music. If they're just like, yeah, it's all right. Like you got to bring it on that front. That's still a thing. And you can argue and say, oh, there's a bunch of music that like, isn't that great or whatever. And it's famous. Like, well, it's still a thing. I promise you in 99% of K again, we're looking at anomalies here, you know, like, yeah, that hit, that rapper happened to be really good at marketing. So maybe his music isn't like the best thing in the world, but he's really good at marketing and it's at least working in the short term. Yeah. We know kind of now that most of the time it's not working in the, in the long term. but regardless, you got to bring it with that stuff, man, or people aren't just, they're not even going to give you a chance. Yeah. I think one analogy I, I use all the time is that building a successful music career is kind of like starting a fire. And the logs for the fire are the songs. And, you know, if you just have like a bunch of wet grass, it's just kind of like crap. Like you're going to have a really difficult time starting the fire. But if you have like some really nice logs, like big thick logs, and you have lighter fluid kind of doused all through, it's going to light a lot easier. But also like if all you have is those logs, you just kind of throw them in a fire pit, then nothing's going to happen. It's just going to be like your logs sitting in a fire pit. So you have to know how to generate flames, how to like generate traffic, how to promote yourself to like, you know, to be able to start the fire. And yeah, like if you are really good at starting fires and you have like a lot of good marketing um, around it, then sometimes you can light a thin twig or something and it might start like a bit of a fire and you might be able to have a bunch of stuff that you kind of throw in and it fire can kind of get going. But it's a heck of a lot easier if you have like lighter fluid doused in these logs and it's one touch of the flame just go whoosh and it goes viral, right? And yeah, and you're going to be, if you're going kind of the major route, like you're probably not going to make much money off that first thing anyway. So you need longevity, you know, you need multiple projects to do well. You need long-term fans. You need all that stuff. And yeah, I don't know. It's just like every musician, I like it because it's good music, obviously, you know, and it sounds good. I don't, there's no musician I listen to where it's like, oh, cool. Yeah. They have 80% recordings. Not one. There's not one artist I listen to everything I listen to. I'm sure. I don't know. Maybe you have some examples, but like, I can't think of an artist I listen to that doesn't, where it's not awesome. Yeah, that's a really good point. Let's say that someone is listening to this right now and they want to take their music to the next level and they want to record higher quality um, songs and they're just, they're like, okay, like how do I find the right producer? Like who do I look for and who might, who'd be a good fit for me? Do you have any recommendations for how they can discover and like find the right, the person who's the right fit? Yeah, a couple of ways. So the good thing is like, obviously with the internet, we can connect with, we can connect with anyone. So I can just reverse engineer it and say, where my producers meet artists, and then you can kind of use that. So obviously a big one is like referral. Do you have a friend that has a really great sounding record that you're like, dang, my stuff doesn't sound like, like hers or his yet? Like, well, go ask who they worked with, you know? So referral, that's a big way producers get work, and that's a way you could find producers. The next is going to be Instagram. I'm sure you follow some producers on Instagram. Are there ones that have a style? Have a call with four or five of them to see which one you connect with, see which one has you know, now listen, there's a lot of producers that aren't professional at all. You know, even though they sound good, they just, they don't handle their business well. And I apologize on behalf of them. And hopefully I can get through to helping all, all those people. But yes, you're right. If you've had a bad experience, I mean, there are a lot that aren't, you know, that aren't professional. So you may have to go through three or four, but it's worth doing. It's like when people say, hey, you know, get a therapist or whatever. So you may, therapy is great and it can be life-changing, but you may have to put in the work to go through three or four to find one that you really connect with, you know, and that's okay. That's just the tuition. That's just the tuition of this career for you or this business rather. 
it's the tuition in your career for this business. So a Facebook groups, another place to meet great producers. You know, if you do pop stuff, go in and make pop music. There's like hundreds of killer producers in that group. YouTube, you know, so if you're, you may have come across some producers already if you're searching for stuff on how to produce, you know, well, the ones you've learned from, do they take clients? Are they good? You know, is the source material that they're teaching on, if they're pulling up a song they worked on to, to teach you something, does it sound good? Does it sound like something you want to do? And most producers now can handle remote sessions. So if you're, if you don't live near a bunch of producers or good producers, like that's not an excuse. You could do it online. You send over, now that you know how to produce demos, you send your demo to them. They put their, you know, they put the, the track down. You cut vocal. They can literally fly into your session online, produce your vocals, or you can go to a local studio to cut the vocals and then, they, you know, send it back to them. They loop in their mixing and mastering engineer and you can do, you can have an incredible, like a ton of music's being made that way. I mean, we did it for a decade. We've been doing it for a decade, right? But now, especially there's like so many of, of those producers out there that can do that. And if you're struggling with finding someone, you know, s- send me an email. Like, I guess you put the, put in the show notes. I'll link you with someone. I've, I have a roster of incredible producers of all different styles. So, you know, yeah, you just, you ask people, man. You ask people that, that know what they're doing and have a network. Oh, what's up guys? So quick intermission from the podcast so I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally reserve for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. This is a presentation called Six Steps to Explode Your Fan Base and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. And specifically, we're going to walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel that's going to allow you to grow your fan base online and the system's designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. And so I think it's going to be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. And uh, the other thing I want to mention is, you know, if you want to do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is if people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually want to hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you want to do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, I think all all those ideas are are super smart. And and one thing I would just add to it is that, you know, you just do, yeah, do some research and like, and listening to the music and, and see like, is it the style, is it what you're going for, right? Like you have to first, you have to kind of identify like, what sound do I want to, do I want to emulate or like, what are some of my favorite artists and maybe find like some, like, like, I'm sure that there's a lot of times like with people, like, let's say that you make a list of your favorite artists and then you Google you, who are, who are their producers, who do they produce with? Then a lot of times you're going to probably see like producers and you're going to see like, like big named producers who are working with a lot of, a lot of the most popular artists. So I, I actually, I would be curious to hear your thoughts around like that idea. Cause I'm sure that's one mistake that sometimes people might yeah. run into is like, you know, just is paying for like a name versus like, you know, paying for like a product, but also like, you know, if yeah. you have the resources and like you're willing to invest and like you want to work with them, like, would that ever make sense to, to find someone based on that? It could. I mean, in a lot of cases, probably not, you know, 
if you're just like super rich and want to, but that doesn't mean that producer is going to take the project, get good. And then let the labels pay for that. <laughs> you know, what yeah. as an indie producer, I would find a producer and this is what we try to train our guys on this, where kind of Mike comes in to play because he's got a extensive background developing artists. So to me, there's good independent producers that they don't have a huge name yet. So they really have to double down and put in the value for you as an artist, you know, and you want one that, has some experience uh, like we have a lot that have experience kind of as an artist themselves they've been in the game for a while they may even have a little bit of a network and they can provide more than just like producing a song for you you know they can really act as a guide to like help you get stuff done or maybe it's making introductions or maybe there's some like artist development services that they kind of wrap into the deal you know they uh, we're, we're training producers and i try to put this message out there that producers have to understand the business of artists better than the artists do or they're not worth hiring so if you're talking to a producer and you're like cool how do i run like facebook ads to promote this or how do i you know get this meeting with an indie label if they don't know any of the questions to the like if they don't know more about your business than you do then maybe don't hire them you want to hire someone that's like they're not a huge name but they're maybe a couple steps ahead of you you like their sounds you they're a good hang you like the, their personality you like like them as a person and they're really going to go to bat for you, you know, and you may be able to find people, connect with people and collaborate and do it for free. It's just that when you pay for it, like they have to do it, they're on the hook to do it. It's like the reason why I don't ever do interns. Like I don't really ever do people that work for me for free. I want them to have something on the line to lose if they don't do a good job. So I would rather just pay them so that I know if they don't do it well, then they have something to lose because then they have a higher chance of doing it well. So you can maybe find someone to, to link up with for sure. And, and obviously there's been a ton of incredible projects that just came from, oh, my buddy was a producer. We linked up, made this project. All of my producers take on projects that are pro bono, that like they just really believe in the artist. They want to get behind them. They want to try to develop them. But the good producers are only going to have time for like maybe a couple of artists at, at any given time. And then they also have to pay their bills. And just because they're the projects that pay their bills doesn't mean they don't care about the artists or don't want to get behind the artists. It just means that they've kind of, they're already capped out for what they can handle on the pro bono work. Same as like a lawyer, you know, if you pay a lawyer, it doesn't mean that he doesn't care about you because he didn't do it pro bono. It's just, he's not doing it pro bono because perhaps he already has like his caseload with pro bono work is, is maxed already. It's like the same kind of, maybe that's a weird example, but it's like the same kind of thing. Find a producer who can develop you and help you get to the, you just need to get, you're not going to find one that can take you from zero to, to a thousand. You're just looking for one that can get you from, you know, instead of getting, trying to get you from A to Z, there's not going to be one person that can do that. You're going to find a producer that gets you from A to D, and then you're going to maybe upgrade and find the next producer with a bit more, who's a bit more established that gets you from, you know, D to M. And then you're going to have a producer that's even more established that gets you from M to Z. You know, you may go through three or four producers as you grow, but like you got to bring it and you got to have good shit and you got to build that up. Or like the bigger producers, just, they're not even going to be interested in working with you. You know, even if you paid them, they're not going to be interested because they're just like, eh, they don't see it. They don't see the vision. So it's a mirror effect, man. You put in, and I get it, it's tough to put it all together and pay for things. It's tough for the producers too. It ain't any easier for them, you know? Like they have all their own issues as well. People like you and I, we have businesses, like we had to start from, from zero. And that just is what it is, but it's a mirror effect. The ones that go out and figure out how to make it happen, you attract other people that do that. It's why we know each other, man. You know what I mean? Like that's- For sure. It's, yeah. 
There, there's so much good stuff out of what you just shared there. And I love, I mean, one of the things that, that you mentioned about, you know, not necessarily like feeling like you, you have to jump from just starting out, you've never, you know, recorded a song <laughs> in your life to working like with the best producers of all time. There's just kind of like, there's a, there's a gap there and there's just like, it just doesn't make sense on either, on either side. And it just, it, it sounds like what you're saying is that, you know, really it's like a domino effect. Like, you don't if you have a little tiny domino and you're trying, eventually you're trying to knock over a huge domino, right? And you're starting out, you have this little tiny domino. If you push the little tiny domino, it's not going to knock over the big giant one, right. but if you have a domino that's just like slightly bigger than the initial one and then you push it over, then that smaller one can knock over the one that's slightly bigger. But then if you like keep stacking, so there's like slightly bigger dominoes every step, then eventually with that one little domino, if you push it over, it knocks over all the slightly bigger dominoes and it can eventually knock over the huge domino. There's like really, some really interesting YouTube videos that, that demonstrate that too. But I love that idea, especially in, in regards to like, producing your music and it definitely rings true, rings true with paradise fears like yeah. our first our first album we we i remember recording ourselves on garage band and that was you know embarrassing now it just like makes us laugh like listening to it and then working with like a local producer that lived like 20 minutes away from us and that's another one that eventually we took offline because you know it was just like a huge difference from once we found like the right producers to work with but us at the time too like we weren't ready to work with those bigger producers right like we right. needed to work our way up there i love that piece of advice and also i really like like how you describe the producer's role and like the value, how a lot of times it's more than just like a song, right? It's more than just having the final product, but a lot of times it's the producer's role is almost like a guiding figure, like a mentor that, and like a leader who can connect you with other people in the industry, like other artists and other people that you should meet is someone who can help with business advice for, for your music career. I know for us, one of the biggest, one of the biggest things that impacted our the trajectory of our career was when we first connected with a producer named Jordan Schmidt it was exactly what you're describing he was like an up-and-coming producer just starting out didn't really have a big like much of a big name yet now he's recorded like several multi-platinum um, songs and he lives in Nashville and he's working with like a bunch of super well-known like the top of the top like country artists right now if you like google Jordan Schmidt I'm sure you'll see his credentials but uh, he for us was a huge guiding light like early on he was the person who when we told him that we were planning on going to college and doing the band on the side and that we were still going to pursue the band he was basically like look, like, that's fine if you want to do that. But if you're serious, if this is something like you really want to turn into a career, like it's the bands that go all in that are ones that are successful, you know? And so like that one statement for us coming from, from Jordan, like changed all of our lives. And there's no way that we would have you know, accomplished what we did without, without that mentorship. So I, I think that, yeah, exactly what you're saying for more than just the songs, like finding a good producer and working with, working with producers is hugely, hugely valuable for your music career. Yeah, man. And like another thing to, I don't think artists like, especially newer ones don't realize yet. And I get it, especially if you're coming into the game in like the past, like five years or something, it unfortunately doesn't seem like music is valuable anymore. Right. Like I, I think a lot of artists kind of feel that way. It's, you know, I'm not making any money immediately. There's a gazelle, there's so many artists, but like, that is not the way to think a song is an asset. Go look mm -hmm. at how much people have just in the past year have been selling their publishing for. Mm. hundreds of millions of dollars every song you put out is an asset that can continue to make money for you it's not going to make money up front but that's like saying well i'm not going to get into real estate because i'm not going to make all my money back in a month it's like well come on that's just immature 
So like, if you have the idea of like, well, I'm not going to invest in production unless I immediately make my money back. It's just an immature way to look at it. Like, it's just not a thing. And I think that unfortunately there's a lot of, not you, cause you have a totally different thing, but I think there's a lot of like messaging out there from music marketers that it's like, everything's about like, you have to immediately make a return on your song prop. It's like, that just, if you need that to do music, you don't love this shit. You don't love this shit. It was that was never a thing until like the past. I've been hearing one of the objections my producers have brought up in the past, maybe two, three years. Like, oh, they said no because they're not going to make their money back immediately. And I'm like, <laughs> where is this coming from? That's never been a, a thing. You know, I never, when I ran a production company, I don't ever remember an artist saying that. So I think there's just like a lot of like whack information setting these unrealistic expectations. And it's unfortunately going to knock a lot of people out of the game. Because they're not going to make moves at all based on that. And then they're just never going to do anything. So like a song is an asset. Yes, you're going to put a little bit of money into it up front. But that song, even if it doesn't break immediately, it may break in a couple years. That is an asset. Like if you look at Lizzo, who put out like her, to, of course, blanking on the name. Now that I need to know the name off the top of my head. You know, whatever her first big hit single was. That was like a couple years before it blew up. If she would have just half-assed that song, then probably wouldn't be Lizzo now. You know, every song is an asset and it's, you never forget that. <laughs> never forget mm -hmm. that. So if you don't have a ton of money, well, put as much time as you can into like hopping on Instagram and showing what you can do, show your talents, make content like that. Like, you know, that's really like one of the, you could argue like a, one of the most important things anyway, is just being a brand and bring, being present and connecting with people. And then drop some song, you know, maybe you do some little work tapes or like covers or whatever, or like features, things like that to have some content to release. But like, don't, don't skimp on the songs. Make sure even if you're going to release less of them, make them good because you could do plenty of other kind of content. And if you happen to be an anomaly that I know what people are going to say, well, Russ releases a song. Russ is an anomaly. <laughs> Russ is a great producer and a great artist. And he's been in the game for a long time. He's fast. So you can do a song, you know, if you could do that, cool. But I'd rather like, if you want to put out a ton of content, don't just half-ass your, your songs, you know, because those are your assets. Put out a bunch of content to build a fan base and connect with people and have fun. And then when you have the money, really make the song great. 100%. Yeah, and I think an important thing that, that you brought up too is that you, you don't necessarily need to have like multiple albums right off the bat of like like highly produced songs right like if you save up and you invest in like a single or an ep or an album like you know you can record 20 demos yourself and then just choose like the top one to five you know to get like recorded professionally and if you know if you know how to promote yourself correctly then like all you need is one to five songs really and and so that's a 100% like a really worthwhile investment, at least getting like something like I call it like the tip of the iceberg content that like, you know, there's so much saturation now with so much like music and content, just information online that most of it just kind of goes underneath the surface. It goes underneath our radar. We don't even notice most of the information online because we only kind of see the tip of the iceberg, like the most relevant, um, the things that stand out, that stick out. And so you know, there's not a whole lot of stuff that kind of does that, but if you can create like you know, a little bit, like your tip of the iceberg content, like the one to three um, songs that are like the best, can make the best possible first impression, you can do a lot with those. And then once you have the fire started, then you can keep, you know, kind of adding one log to the fire, like over, over time. You're really good at helping artists, 
use some modern strategies to make money, right? Which is cool. Like I've seen you showed me last time we were on Zoom, kind of I got a little peek at your curriculum, like the steps that you showed me. And like, that's awesome. But they have to kind of qualify, right? I mean, they have to, I think I've even seen in your ad, like, but to even get to the point where you'll even help them do that, they have to have good music. So it's like, yeah, maybe you save on like not having the best, you know, you save on production, but then you don't even have the quality of music to get to work with someone like you to help them actually go make money and set up these, you know, product funnels and things that, that generate all this monthly income. It's like, you don't even get to Olympic athletes are Olympic athletes before they even get a chance to step on the field. They're already Olympic level athletes before they even get to get on the field and play the game where a lot of artists, I feel like I'm now I know why Adam Ivy just yells at all you people <laughs> shout out. Adam. <laughs> I usually don't talk to artists. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. He's, he's in love. But uh, yeah, it's like a lot of our, they, they just, they're not, not even on the playing field, man. It's like, do the stuff, do the prep work to even get on the playing field so that you have a, you don't have a chance to win the game if you're not even on the field. Well, 100%. Yeah, it, it all starts with the music, the foundation of high quality you know, content, the tip of the iceberg. If you're trying to start the fire, you don't have you know any like fuel to start the fire with, then you know you, you could be shooting a flamethrower at this empty fire pit, and like nothing's gonna happen with with the fire. One thing that, that I wanted to reiterate to you that you said that I think is is really important and tends to kind of get swept under the rug because it's not necessarily the most attractive way to to like to sell something to someone. Basically, like I think that that you're 100 right like there are there's like too much get rich quick or just like sort of like this messaging around thinking that like you know you instantly need to be successful right and people who are just looking like for to do that like immediately and the, the truth is yeah like jason tonioli is one of the artists in our program right now and you know he came into the program and he was already kicking butt with his music business he's making over ten thousand dollars a month already and now in the last few months you know, he's made literally hundreds of thousands of dollars but with the way that he he describes his success he's like i tell people that i'm a 10-year overnight success story <laughs> you know and like what what people don't necessarily realize is that like you know, it, it isn't just like overnight, you know, even the people who have huge opportunities where they blow up, it's like, it didn't just happen like overnight. Like it took, it took investment. We reap what we sow. Like, you know, you don't just expect a beautiful apple tree to, to grow without planting a seed first. Like you need to like plant the seed and you need to like nurture it and you need to like let it grow. And I am a big fan of like, I think that there's, there's, good and bad strategies that you could that you could do and like you can certainly save a lot of time and a lot of money long term by working with people and getting mentorship that like you know shortcuts you know sometimes tens of years of your life depending on you know what you're planning on doing but but i think that it is the people who are the most successful are the ones who they kind of zoom out a bit and they're they're playing the long-term game they're playing the long-term game they realize like hey i'm gonna pay my dues i'm gonna invest i'm gonna invest up front so i'm gonna keep doing the right thing i'm gonna find the right guidance the right mentorship to like to make sure that i am taking the right actions but they have a much longer term way of looking at it than just like get rich quick or just trying to like you know to figure out there's like they're not just focused on the short term yeah and if you think about like the, you know, you want to be a doctor, right? It's like, okay, well, you're going to pay a lot of money and you're not going to make crap for seven to 10 years. You're going to be putting it. So, so what's the difference? It's like, okay, there's obviously slightly more of a guarantee. That's the only difference, right? Like if you got a medical degree, you'll probably not be starving, you know? So then really all that comes down to the only difference is that you need a guarantee in order to sacrifice and do that. 
And if you need a guarantee, then this just isn't for you, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and I think that one thing, so for us, when we were starting Paradise Fears, we had the, a big decision to make when we were graduating high school of like, whether do we want to pursue the band full time or do we want to like kind of go to college and do it part time. And, you know, a few of us had full ride scholarships and, you know, I was planning on being a dentist. And so like, you know, we did have, it was a big risk to like, to consider that rather than like taking the scholarships. But what we found out was that we could defer our scholarships for a year and basically like 100% focus on the band and give it our all for the entire year. And worst case scenario, you know, we had like a, a parachute that, you know, that would be like an emergency shoot. And I've heard about the wisdom of kind of like, you know, burning your bridges and like kind of going like all outside. I get that sometimes yeah. thing, but I think it's more important just that like you're focused and that you're like all in and that you're committed. And, you know, for us, it that helped us feel much better, like less, much less stress and, and anxiety and like kind of fear about whether this can work out. We were able to just focus on doing what it takes to, and putting all of our energy into it to making it work. So I think it's really, if you can mitigate risk, awesome, but there also is a balance where it's like, you don't want to be so focused on avoiding risk that you don't do the things necessary to stretch your comfort zone in order to like actually be successful. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine with having a backup plan. Uh, yeah. I, I get the argument that you shouldn't have, but you know, I, I think it's fine. Like I worked in the corporate world from like 18 to 24 before I made the full plunge to go full-time into music and I have that stuff to fall back on. It wouldn't be the worst thing. Obviously it's, you know, you have some privilege obviously, but yeah, like wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, right? Like I'm not going to be homeless. So mm. that's a, that's a good point too. I think in, in terms of developing valuable skills, like I've heard people talk about before, like when you talked about like having an asset, right? Like having your music is an asset that, you know, can appre it appreciates over time and you know, developing yourself, investing in your own, character and your own and your skill set and developing mastery I think is one of the best investments that they can make as long as like you know as, as if you focus on high value skills that like you know, are assets that are going to you know kind of lend themselves towards other other areas in the future so I think like you know technology so you try to be to, a if you try to be a producer you're just going to add another hard career to your journey <laughs> just a heads up <laughs> so i know there's uh, a lot of stuff that pushes that so it's it's just right. as hard for them it's it's still difficult so what do you think just out of curiosity like if we were going to break down kind of like life skills or business skills or music career skills into like a few like top components what do you think are some of the most valuable skills that artists should look should like budget time and, and money into into developing i'll give like a little bit of background on my outside of music work so i worked in sales everything from like telemarketing you know to up to like real estate my work for a real estate marketing firm and did sales for them and like what else did i do yeah just like marketing stuff like so i think working at a being a telemarketer <laughs> like i've learned a ton from that you want to talk about like getting over fear and like building thick skin it sucks. Like you may cry a couple of times. It sucks for a while. It's a bad, it's like not a great job, but I think doing that gave me the character I need. I wasn't afraid to know. I was like, all right, whatever, cool. Move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. So that helped like just the knowing how to sell things, you know, having a basic understanding of how the internet and digital marketing works, you know, that's a great skill that you could deploy you know, as a backup, it helps you now. And then you can deploy it as a backup. Yeah. I'd say sales and marketing to me are very high level skills. Yeah. Sure 100%. I'd say, I think I was, I was kind of thinking the same thing too. I think that, I mean, with paradise fears, like I remember 
the one of the first things we did, we call it tour hacking. And basically we walked up to people who were standing in lines yeah. and we um, introduced ourselves and we shared our music and then we offered a CD. And that was certainly like a big life changer for me. I was just like a shy, awkward kid. And exactly what you're saying, like you have that face-to-face -face conversations and like, and relationship building. And, you know, essentially it was a form of sales of like, of door-to-door -door sales essentially was hugely valuable in terms of a life lesson and kind of overcoming the fear of rejection. So I think like that, and agreed, like, you know, marketing in general is like one of the most valuable skills for yourself and your life and for your business. And then also I think, just like product, product generate, like improve, like honing in a product. Like I'm reading the autobiography of Steve Jobs right now. And, you know, Steve Jobs, I feel like is a great example of someone who kind of mastered the trifecta of like, you know, he's clearly a very charismatic marketer and he really knows how to position things. And he, he really focuses on the graphic interface and like the user design. But also like, yeah, like a big part of what he does is like the, the packaging and the positioning and like the core product itself. But he's not necessarily the one who, like he has Steve Wozniak and he has other people who are kind of helping to develop and kind of do the like the creation of it. Kind of the same way we're talking about producers. Producers can kind of help to create the product, but you know, having that positioning and the packaging is you know, just another, it's like a, almost like another branch of marketing. Like I think good product creation at its finest is also directly connected to the of marketing as well. I wanted to throw in something that, that just reminded me of it. You have a good memory. You can like, I can interrupt you and then you can remember what you were going to say for like a minute later when I finally showed up. I can't do that. I'll definitely forget. So I apologize. But uh, just a thing, a point I want to make, and this could be a whole nother topic. So we don't have to go deep into it. But a lot of artists get freaked out about like the business side of things. Same with producers. They don't like the business side any more than you guys do. <laughs> you know, they don't, they feel weird asking for the money. They feel weird, like they, they don't enjoy it any more than artists. They don't want to get on TikTok and make stuff all day. You know, Mo the majority, obviously there's some that like it, but business, what you'll find, business is actually very creative. And I think when, at least when I work with producers and I'm able to make that shift in their head, then they love doing all that other stuff. They love marketing. They love, you know, I tell them for, I'm like, they get all tripped up about sales, you know, cause they don't want to hurt the artist. They want to make sure it's fair though. You know, the good ones at least. So they get tripped up about sales. Like, dude, it's just, it's consulting. You're just, can you help them or not? That's all you're trying to figure out. Where are they at right now? Where do they want to be? Can you help them down that journey? If so, great, make them an offer. If not, no big deal. You know, and marketing, putting out content. Well, that's just reputation. You're showing people what you can do. It's creative. And, you know, I'm giving examples on the producer side here, but hopefully it ties over to the artist. When you realize that marketing and what you're talking about, developing products, it's a fun, creative process. It's not like, yeah, there's a little bit of like numbers and stuff, but you can like, you know, have someone else do that stuff for you. You can have a business manager, you know, but yeah, it's creative. Business is creative. I, I want artists to know that. 100%. Yeah, I think that's a big key is sort of recognizing that it can actually be really fun. And if you like, yeah. if you do the, the creative part of it. And also, I think another thing that can trip people up sometimes is like, why people have like a resistance to sales. And I mean, for, for good reason, in some cases, right? Like sometimes when you think of sales, you think of like the slimy car, like used car salesperson who's like manipulative. And yeah, there's this phrase, people hate to be sold things, but they love to buy things. Right. People hate to be sold things, but they love to buy things. And I think that's a, a really great quote that just kind of demonstrates that what we don't want is we don't want to be manipulated into getting something that isn't, you know, what we want or isn't good for us. Right. And right. so like, I think the people who 
are the best or at the top of the game who long term, right? Like these people who short term, you can do some trickery and you can lie about stuff and and whatever, but that doesn't work, doesn't work long term, right? But like the people who are most successful long term are the ones who they align their sales with actually providing like a real service. And it's not about manipulating. It's about what you're saying. It's about consulting. It's about helping people to make the best decision for them if it's the right decision for them, right? And it's not always that case, right? Like some of the best salespeople, they'll actively turn people away if they don't think that it's the right fit and it's not gonna be something that's actually valuable for them. But I think that's one thing that can kind of trip up, you know, artists too, like when it comes to things like selling their merchandise or, you know, selling anything related to their music, they're only gonna be tripped up on it if they feel like they're trying to convince someone to get something that's not really valuable. And so like, so much of that is just like a mindset shift and recognizing that something really is valuable and just working hard to make it valuable you know, to, so that you feel really excited about offering it. What I'll say a couple things. One, I love buying cool merch. So definitely sell merch. Just make it cool. You know, I love that stuff. The second thing is that's why you want to work with a producer who isn't super cheap. The super cheap ones are struggling. And when you're struggling, you do desperate shit and you take on projects that, you know, are not really a fit for you or you have to oversell it or stretch the truth on things just to get it because they've set up the economics in their business to where even though it may look good on Instagram or whatever behind the scenes they're struggling and that's going to affect you as the artist so I know the yeah it's tough to be like oh well this guy's 500 that person's a thousand like that's twice as much you know the guy that the guy or gal that charges a thousand probably works on way less music than the guy that charges a hundred bucks. So they can take much more time with it, you know, and really give you an experience like that. That's going to help. Cause at that point, if you're not going to get the full experience, it's not going to go well, then why pay anything? You know, do you want to pay a thousand and get what you want? Or do you want to pay 300 and get nothing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that sorry to all the $300 producers listening. To this. <laughs> All the $300 producers are listening to this right now. Go reach out to Daniel. Just go watch YouTube. Yeah, just go. (laughs) Yeah, start small. Go watch YouTube videos. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point too. And we can wrap up after this. But but I I think that generally, again, like we're talking about like short-term, long-term. Like I think sometimes people short-term, they might be able to get away with like, you know, charging way much more than the value that they're actually contributing. But again, like that's, that's the word's going to get out eventually. Unless they like go pick up shop and like move somewhere where people don't know them. Like, right. The reputation is going to like come out. And so ultimately I think that, you know, you get what you invest, we invest into like, and if you know, something costs more than generally there's a reason for it, at least if it's, a long-term thing and it's not just like a short-term sleight of hand type of situation awesome all right man well hey this has been really fun i think i hope that this is gonna be really valuable for anyone listening to this just to have some like a high level understanding of how their music and the production fits in how to think about their music business so you're awesome appreciate you having the conversation and for anyone that's you listening to this right now who's either you know, an artist who's interested in kind of reaching out about production or any producers who might be listening to this who are interested in connecting more where would you recommend that they go to to learn more from you Yes, they can just the the website's darklabelmusic.com and they can reach out Daniel at darklabelmusic.com. If you're an artist and you're like, hey, I just am really struggling to find a good producer, yeah, reach out. I'll connect you with someone. I don't get commissions off of doing any of that kind of stuff. I'll just I'll point you in the right direction. At the end of the day, like, yes, we represent producers, but you know, my background is serving artists and I want to make sure you guys have, I like listening to good music. So I want to make sure there's as much out there. And yeah, so feel free to reach out. Heck yeah. 
Awesome. And like always, we'll, we'll put all the links that, that you need in the show notes to make them as, as simple as possible to reach out. All right. Thanks again, Daniel. It's been awesome. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.